Oregon State and Washington State have their big legal win from Tuesday put on hold for now, but there are some ideas about what their future might look like. You are Locked On Pac-12, your daily podcast on the Pac-12 Conference. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Locked On Pac-12. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with our media rights and soon-to-be-mostly-team-free. But until then, beloved and loaded Conference of Champions, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, Please and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Daily fantasy sports made easy. Nothing's easy in the legal world. Oregon State and Washington State are learning that right now. Pac 12 prime picks and predictions, and a look at the Washington State Colorado game that takes place tonight, that being Friday night up in Pullman. The winner gets to remain. Well, at least open to the possibility, strictly speaking, of making a bowl game this year. But the big news here is that Oregon State and Washington State were granted uh, sole authority or the only voting members of the Pac-12 board, given that everyone else is planning to leave the conference. That decision came down from a, a county court on Tuesday. And then it went to a higher court and is now going to go to the Washington Supreme Court because basically a hold has been placed on that particular ruling. And so it reverts back to what happened before. Now, this is actually the third legal outcome that we have seen in the last month or so in this whole Oregon State, Washington State control of the Pac-12 uh, debacle here. So the first ruling was an injunction against the Pac-12 board meeting whatsoever. That is what we have now reverted back to here because Oregon State and Washington State said the board should not be able to meet and make decisions about our future when they're leaving the conference. That is in place. The ruling on Tuesday said Oregon State and Washington State are the only voting members and are going to get all the revenue from uh, this upcoming season or current season, I should say. And so they're going to get hundreds of millions of dollars and all this sort of stuff that has been put on hold because of the ruling that came down yesterday. And so that's where we currently stand. Now, my guess, I am not a lawyer here. My guess is that that is going to end up in a settlement of sorts in which rather than getting all of the revenue for this upcoming slash current season from the PAC 12, that it would distribute to all of its members, Oregon state and Washington state will get some of it. Maybe they'll get an outsized share. Some people might argue, well, everyone should just get the share that they would get, including Oregon State, Washington State, and then everyone goes in their separate ways. Oregon State, Washington State, of course, feel that they should get an outside share. Me personally, I feel like a, eh, I don't know, 70-30, 60-40 split, but more than would otherwise have been given had the 10 schools not left the conference should be awarded to Oregon State and Washington State to compensate them for the dire situation they find themselves in as a result of the action of the uh, actions, plural, of the other schools and their departures. So that's how I feel on the matter. I don't know how it's going down, but there's going to be, you know, we knew there'd be a an appeal. So it's put the hold on here. And now there's going to be probably a settlement of some sorts. No one really knows what the timeline is there. But 
December 4th is the timeline that everyone's kind of looking at here. Why? Because that's when the transfer portal opens. And Oregon State and Washington State have been pretty open about the fact that, mm, yeah, we'd really, really, really like to get it done before then so we can give our athletes clarity on what's going to happen in the future. Speaking of which, there are a couple options legitimately on the table. Now, the first one broke in the morning yesterday from Ross Dellinger of Yahoo Sports, who I think has done a really great job in all of this realignment craziness and nonsense of keeping things straight and reporting things fairly and honestly. Now, what he reported, which I'll get to in just a moment, is a potential two-year scheduling partnership with the Mountain West. Now, Beaver Blitz, an organization that I also tend to trust, and I know some people who work over there, one guy in particular, Carter Baines, frequent guest of the show, they had reported that there were that there is a plan in place, or at least one being pursued, for Oregon State to put together a schedule in 2024. Have not heard as much on the Washington State side, but that schedule would include five Power Four programs, six Group of Five programs, not specifically naming the Mountain West in that area, and one FCS game, which would be a fairly comparable schedule. Not entirely, of course, but it would be a more comparable schedule to what Oregon State and Washington State have played so far this year. So that those are the two options here. The way that it seems and the way that I have come to understand it, asking around and such, and also just kind of reading the news that has come out, is both of these options are on the table. So I think that Oregon State wants to have the option that, that Beaver Blitz was reporting, which was Five Power Four programs, six Group of Five programs, which would probably include several Mountain West, one FCS, and they essentially, under the Pac-12 label, operate as an independent, which is something that exists in college football, by the way, and has for a long time. BYU was an independent for a long time, and they played in some good bowl games. Liberty is an independent, and they're currently, I think, a 10-0 football team and you know generate some buzz here and there and whatnot, but... That is different than the option that Ross Dellinger reported. Now, I think that both of these are, are on the table. I don't have a direct inside track there on that particular information. That's just how I read the tea leaves. But while Oregon State and Washington State figure out their legal situation, I think the Mountain West has you know made it clear they're open to this two-year scheduling partnership, which I'll explain here in just a moment. And they're basically saying, hey, Oregon State, Washington State, while you figure out all this legal stuff, just know that this offer is right here. You can take it if you would like. And Oregon State, Washington State, I think, are holding out to see if they're going to be able to put together something better. And the reason that these two things both can't happen will become clear in a moment. So here are the highlights of, uh, of this piece, again, reported by Ross Dellinger over at Yahoo Sports. A two-year scheduling partnership with the Mountain, Mountain West that would be, theoretically, a first step into a long-term partnership or a merger with the Mountain West under the PAC label, potentially in a couple of years. It includes a seven plus one format in which Mountain West teams play seven league games plus one of Oregon State and Washington State, but Oregon State and Washington State would be treated as independents under this format and not eligible for the Mountain West Championship. So they would play, I guess, a Pac-2 championship game, maybe, but that, that, that much is not uh, entirely clear right now. There would be a handful of teams in the Mountain West who already have the Beavs and the Cougs on their schedule that would play both Oregon State and Washington State, but they would not, in either matchup, count as league games. The agreement, here's the important point, and why 
there, there are two different ideas here as to what can happen and why they can't really coexist. The agreement reportedly includes a financial punishment for the PAC-2 if they try and poach the Mountain West schools without a full merger. So if they try to go for the top line teams in the Mountain West and say, come help us rebuild the PAC-12, there is a punishment for doing so financially. Now, maybe they'd have the money depending on what the outcome of their court cases are or it, well, yeah, they haven't. Anyway, you, you get what I'm saying. Depending on how the legal situation sifts out by the end of it, Oregon State and Washington State may be in a position to say, sure, we'll pursue the partnership. And then in a couple of years, still have enough money in reserve to say, yeah, we'll just pay the extra money and we'll take the, the best of, of the Mountain West here. But, but the Mountain West is saying, look, we'd love to pursue this particular partnership, but we don't want you just taking, you know, Boise State, Fresno State, San Diego State, UNLV and Air Force. And then be rebuilding your conference and leaving us with everybody else scrambling to find new members and whatnot. So there, there's more to get to with this. That's a really important part of it. But the whole situation here has really these two avenues to play out. Like th these are the ways that that this can all go. And we won't know until Oregon State, Washington State know how much money they are going to get, how much of a controlling interest they will officially retain once everything settles out in court. You don't know how much money you could be winning over at Prize Picks if you haven't checked it out yet, but if you haven't, you should because it's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, it's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and you'll watch the winnings roll in. You want to play alongside some of Prize Picks favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz? You can find community plays under the promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. Prize Picks even offers a reboot policy that, so that your entries stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Prize picks, only da daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, so a couple more points to get to here in this hypothetical scheduling alliance slash future merger between the Pac-2, as we'll call them now, and the Mountain West. For now, this arrangement that I was just talking about before the break is a football-only arrangement. Now, that becomes relevant for the university presidents and athletic directors to determine where their teams can play conference games. There, there is plenty of precedent, though, across the country to see something like that. In the Mountain West, for example, Hawaii plays football in the Mountain West. The rest of Hawaii sports play in the Big West. That'd be an option. So if you're thinking about, well, where is men's basketball going to play? Where is women's basketball going to play? Where is baseball going to play? Where is softball going to play? I would look at the Big West. I would look at the West Coast Conference as potential destinations for those sports. And that's not something that is so unfeasible and ridiculous and obscene that it can't possibly happen because it exists in college sports. It exists in, uh, at the FCS level as well. UC Davis, for instance, competes in the big sky for football 
but I believe they might actually be in the big West for, for basketball as, as well. I have to double check on that, but there is precedent for football being in one conference and every other sport playing in another one, Notre Dame, every sport plays in the ACC, except football. They're an independent. I think that sort of model could readily exist here for Oregon state and Washington state. And I know that it's particularly important for the Beavs what happens with everything else, because what is Oregon State's best sport, right? They're really good at football right now. We all know and understand that. But they've won three national championships in the last 16, 17 years in baseball. And that's something that is deeply important to Corvallis and that fan base. So hopefully they'd be able to find a home in which they can play those sports and continue to compete at a high level. Uh, Ross Dellinger also said in this, in this article that the money they would get from Tuesday before this, you know, temporary stay was issued by a higher court was around $400 million. So that'd be a lot like that would be a, that that's, that's a fat war chest. And I, I I've seen this number get kind of estimated and guesstimated, you know, all over the place, anywhere from 150 to 400 million they're trying to get control of all of that, which includes 2023-24 revenue. And the 10 departing schools are saying, hey, we're bringing in the revenue for you know the conference here. We should get our share, and then we will leave. And Oregon State and Washington State should get their share. I think it should be slightly reduced to help compensate Oregon State and Washington State for the decision that the departing schools are putting them in. That's just my piece. I'm sure the lawyers for Oregon State and Washington State University will be arguing the same sort of deal. So... Another thing, and this this bummed me out, this part this part bummed me out a little bit, but the relegation model, which I talked about on this show, I don't know, a couple months ago, I think prior to the season, that is entirely possible. Dellinger says it is not impossible, but it's pretty unlikely, which sucks, which sucks. Relegation could be so much fun if you merge you know, the 14 teams you've, or the 12 teams in the Mountain West football with Oregon State, Washington State. And you can you, you had seven in the pack and seven in the Mountain West and last place in the pack goes to the Mountain West and first place in the Mountain West goes to the pack. That'd be fun. But looks like that isn't going to happen. But Oregon State and Washington State are looking like they're going to be able to chart a path forward one way or the other for 2024 and 2025 as potentially just a two team conference. And Technically, I, I don't know if they would play a conference championship. Maybe they would for symbolic purposes. The college football playoff would not care if they play a conference championship game because the, the college football playoff committee does not need unanimous support. And Kirk Schultz, the Washington State president, is, of course, a part of that, which is why it's important. They don't need unanimous support to say, OK, you have to have eight teams in a conference in order to get an AQ. So if it was you know the Pac-12 with two teams in it, that doesn't get you an AQ. So that isn't going to come to fruition, which of course makes a ton of sense. And Oregon State and Washington State would, you know, be under the pack label for 2024 and 2025. They'd technically be in a conference, but really they would just become football independents. And they would have access to the playoff depending on the schedule they could cobble together because it's a 12-team format and there are going to be at least six, potentially seven at-large berths available. So not all bad news there, but still some bad news for the Beavs and Cougs. So I think we're riding high after Tuesday's ruling. This kind of makes things a little bit murky. I, I, I think a settlement is the most likely outcome here that, that gives Oregon State and Washington State maybe just a, a slightly 
uh, larger share than they would otherwise have gotten had the 10 members remained and everyone gotten their shares from the conference. So that is everything taking place in the courts. And a lot is going to take place on the football field this weekend. Gosh, it's going to be an awesome Saturday. So let's get to my weekly Pac-12 prime picks and predictions. The Pac-12 prime picks, some are saying, are the hottest gambling entity in the entire country. Now, I don't know who's saying that. I've seen it written all over the Twitter sphere and internet writ large. That's because uh, we've got three straight winning weeks off of a four and one performance last week. That was that was quite good. Quite, quite good. Let's get into it. So I once again am going four game spreads and one over-under. Had good success with the over-under so far. We'll see if I can keep it going. Game of the week in the Pac-12 and in college football is pick number one. Number five, Washington at number 11, Oregon State. You know my favorite part about this particular matchup and the pick that I'm about to make? Sometimes, as an Oregon fan, I am accused, incorrectly, of bias here on the show. I would like to see someone try to accuse me of being biased for my particular pick in this game. Maybe it'll help you realize that I actually do just come on, come on here and share my thoughts, whatever they are, one way or the other, whether you agree or not. But I don't know that I can be accused of massive bias in this particular game, given that Washington is playing Oregon State. Those be Oregon's two biggest rivals. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. Number 11, Oregon State at home. They're a two and a half point favorite against number five and unbeaten Washington. This is going to be an awesome football game. That crowd, it's the last time they get to be at Reeser Stadium this year. It's the last time they get to be at Reeser Stadium as a power five football program for the near future. That is going to be some kind of energy, and they already bring it week in and week out. They're trying to see how many people they can fit into the stadium. Washington's very good. We're all aware of that. This Oregon State team has lost just one time at home in the last couple of years. You know who beat them? A Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Hmm. Hmm. That would make you think, well, maybe this is the one spot. I'm taking Oregon State here. Minus two and a half. I like the Beavs at home. I think this is a great game. I think they barely cover 35. Check that. 34. 34 to 30. I think Oregon State wins and covers the two and a half at home and gives Washington their first loss of the season. Utah and Arizona, I would again like to remind the college football playoff committee that in no way, shape, or form should the loser of the Utah-Arizona game be unranked after this one, even though they'll have four losses on the season because they will all be quality losses, especially Utah's losses. So, I look at this game, Utah fell all the way to 22. I think that's too much disrespect. Bryson Barnes has found something with this Utah offense. And I like Arizona's defense. I've talked them up all year. They're much improved. Maybe the most improved individual unit in the entire Pac-12 is Arizona's defense. They were atrocious a year ago to they are solid to above average sometimes this year. I think this is a Kyle Whittingham special. I think Jed Fish is an outstanding football coach. I've sung his praises for a long time here on this podcast for the last couple of years. I think Utah stops the Arizona winning streak, goes into Tucson, and is not going to be the fourth straight-ranked team to fall to the Wildcats. This is, of course, a coin flip game. But I like the way Bryson Barnes has this Utah offense playing. 28 points in the first half on the road against Washington last week. Give me Utah minus one and a half at Arizona, all these lines provided by our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook, 27 to 24. I think the Utes get the job done. 
Athletic Brewing Company gets the job done when you're talking about making a quality non-alcoholic beer. That's what they have done. Someone's going to make the big play of the week. That'll be our Athletic Brewing Company game changer of the week. Last week, it was Michael Penix, the Roma Dunze for the go-ahead and game-sealing touchdown for Utah or for Washington against Utah in Seattle. Well, Athletic Brewing Company has changed the game. Their brews are great tasting and award-winning. They beat out full-strength beers in global competitions, and they brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and more. They're fit for all times, so you can drink them anywhere. No hangovers ever, so you can have one watching a big game, watching your kids' game, tackling work, working out. You can have them anywhere. You can find Athletic Brews in-store, online, and at bars around the country. First-time customers can use code Locked On to get 15% off your first online order at athleticbrewing.com. That's code L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions, and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. How about this game in Los Angeles? An unceremonious battle for Los Angeles, you could say, because... USC is playing their last game of the regular season. It'll probably be the last college football game we ever see Caleb Williams play. You know, he would like to end with a victory, I am sure. I doubt he plays in USC's bowl game since it's not going to be a great one, given that they already have four losses at this point in the year. USC is at home. Not that that matters a ton, but hey, it matters somewhat, I guess, maybe, possibly. Reports indicate, though I don't agree with this notion, I understand, but don't agree. UCLA is going to let go of Chip Kelly after the game, no matter what. That's kind of crazy. And I don't love the narrative that creates around a football team going into this game. There have been some reports about, you know, player blow up locker in the locker, player blow ups in the locker room, and Chip Kelly's not getting along with them and whatnot. And last week's game against Arizona State felt like a bottoming out point for this UCLA team, which I was down on before the year. And I have been right so far. And I am doubling up on bets in this particular game. USC is favored by six and a half points at home. I'm taking the Trojans to win and cover 34 to 24. And I like the under 65 and a half. You may be saying, well, wait a minute. USC's defense with an under? You have to be kidding me. This is about two things. Why I like the under 65 and a half. 34, 24, that's a point total. Last time I checked, we ran the numbers. It's 58, and I think they get under 65 and a half. Why? Because UCLA's defense is nasty. UCLA or USC's offensive line is not that great, and UCLA's front four is really good. I think Caleb Williams will be under duress somewhat. You can hold this USC team under 30 points. UCLA doesn't have Dante Moore, doesn't have Ethan Garbers available. Those are the guys who have been starting caliber quarterbacks this year but it's going to be Colin Schley the transfer from Kent State who's a runner and who last week led a UCLA offense put up seven points against Arizona State ASU has a better defense than USC fact check true but I think the Trojans defense played much much better without Alex Grinch there on the road against Oregon last week they were aided by some Ducks penalties but still I thought they were much more physical than normal and tackled a little bit better though not great UCLA's offense is going to make some plays because it's still not a great USC defense, but I think they're a little bit better there. I love USC minus six and a half, and I like the under 65 and a half. Trojans win 34 to 24 over the Bruins. And lastly, Colorado at Washington State. Winner gets to keep hope alive of playing in a bowl game in 2023. 
which means a lot more to either of these teams than it does to some others. UCLA is going to play in a bowl game this year. Probably won't mean a whole heck of a lot if they have an interim head coach. USC is playing in a bowl game this year. Guarantee you their fans won't care in the slightest because it won't be one of high caliber. Washington State favored by four and a half. They've lost six games in a row. Never seen anything like it. And I think that ends tonight. I'll talk about that a little bit later in the show. I think Washington State wins and covers. I don't think it's easy, though, but I like Washington State. I can't get behind Colorado's defense. They've had some moments this year, but if Washington State can just run the ball a little bit, they run for 83 yards a game. Gosh, that's a low number. If they can run the ball just a hair, I think Washington State wins and covers the four and a half at home, 27 to 17. I think the Washington State defense, which played well defensively, Obviously, defense plays well defensively. I just kind of double-talked myself there, but hey, it's the way it goes sometimes. Last time they played at home was against Stanford. Stanford's offense has been much improved. They put up real numbers this year. Put up points against Colorado. Put up points against Washington. I think they'll put up some points against Cal's defense this week. I think Washington State's defense comes ready to play on senior day. Last home game for Brennan Jackson Jr. and or Brennan Jackson and Ron Stone Jr., whose names I can never say right correctly on the first try for reasons I don't know why, I think Washington State wins the game 27-17. to 17. Now, a couple other games that are taking place in the Pac-12 this week that are not part of the prime picks, but I'll give you my predictions anyway. How about the big game? How about the big game? Cal and Stanford. Bears favored by six and a half. I don't like that number with Cal on the road is why I keep it out. I think Cal wins, Stanford covers, but I don't feel confident enough to make it a prime pick. Bears 31, Stanford 27. And in a game that I don't think Arizona State can win, given their lack of quarterback consistency and production, uh, Trent Borgay has just one passing touchdown this year. I think Oregon's going to go into Tempe and roll, though I have thought that before and it didn't materialize. That ASU defense plays well. But I think Oregon is just way, way too hot for for Arizona State at the moment. 45 to 13, I think the Ducks go down, beat the Sun Devils and cover. But those are not Pac-12 prime picks. Just to recap, Pac-12 prime picks for week 12. Three winning weeks in a row, trying to make it four. We're over 500 on the year. Oregon State minus two and a half. Utah minus one and a half. USC minus six and a half. The under 65 and a half number in UCLA at USC and Washington State minus four and a half. Let's wrap up talking about that last game that I picked there, Washington State and Colorado. So quick preview of this one tonight. Colorado, if they're going to win the game, has got to protect Shadur Sanders. I mean, he has been sacked an ungodly number of times this year. Colorado's team, I am not kidding. You can look up the numbers. It's right there on Colorado's website. Has allowed 49 sacks this year. Colorado's played 10 games. That's about five sacks per game. And you're going up against two quality edge rushers in this one. If they don't protect Shador Sanders, it'll be a long, long day for the Buffs. Brennan Jackson and Ron Stone Jr. have combined for nine and a half sacks so far this year. That total will be at least 12 by the end of the game. Two and a half combined at least. Now, on the other side, Washington State has got to be able to run the football. 83 yards per game on the ground is so bad. You know what else is bad? Colorado's run defense. I think they've had some moments where they've gotten better over the course of this season. But on the whole, I think Washington State is going to put their foot down, say enough is enough. 
six games in a row. We're better than that, which they are. Just haven't played like it. I think they're going to win the game. I'm swallowing the four and a half points for the prime picks, 27-17. I think whoever wins the turnover battle probably wins the game. Colorado has been unable to protect Shador Sanders. He hasn't turned the ball over a ton. Cam Ward has, you know, throughout his entire college career, been up and down in that regard. I think the turnover battle decides it. If Washington State can run the ball for just 130 yards on the ground, Cam Ward is still top five in college football in passing yards per game. Top five, over 300 per contest. I don't think that changes here at home against Colorado. I hope the fans in the midst of a really, really brutal stretch that I feel for them about are able to show up on senior day for the Washington State team here. And I I just hope they're able to give them a good performance because last time they saw him play, it was ugly, ugly, ugly against Stanford. I think Washington State wins this one. Going to be a great weekend of football. I'm going to enjoy it. Hope you will as well. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. And until then, hope you have a wonderful rest of your day.